0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: It is a celebration Saturday on White Sox Weekly. Good evening. Different time today with Blackhawks hockey on the air. Mark Carmen, Harry Tyne, what's with you? Hope you're having a great weekend afternoon, Harry. Good to see you.
0: Carmen, it's great to be here, good to see you, and uh, five days, five days until this White Sox season gets underway in KC Mo. Well,
2: it feels like it already is underway with the White Sox making the move with Eloy Jimenez, a six-year deal, $43 million extension, which is a bargain for the White Sox, and also life-changing money for Eloy and Eloy's family and Aloy's kids, and Aloy's grandkids, and grandkids grandkids to come. Congratulations. Are you calling it generational wealth? I would call 43 million generational wealth. That's how I see it. Yes,
0: could be 77.
2: Right. 5 million dollar signing bonus. He'll make 1 million this year. Plus that $5 million, million in 2020, $3.5 million in 2021, not to bore you with the numbers, $6.5 million in 2022, which is a fair working wage, $9.5 million in 2023. I think you can survive on that. Okay, now he's just showing off. And then $13 million in 2024, the Sox with options for $16.5 million in 2025, $18.5 million in 2026 it, with a $3 million buyout. So there are the numbers. It is a
0: historic contract. It is the largest contract ever given to a player who has never played Major League Baseball. Well,
2: that is true, and this is a an, an incredible talent, 22 years old. He's hit on every level. The White Sox mm-hmm. obviously feel very comfortable on their investment here.
0: You've hit on girls at every level. Right. College, right? That's Out of college.
2: Very true. Right, True, not quite to the well, you, l- level of a success that uh, Aloy is having knocking pitch. By the way, he, he signs the contract today... And then he goes out and goes three for three with a home run, raises his batting average from a buck and a half to 242. Sounds like he's been working with the hitting coach. And Todd Steverson, very good, Harry, will be on the program at 635 today, White Sox hitting coach.
0: I was surprised Alloy was signed for this extension. I thought, you know, Alloy was going to be up uh, later in April. They were going to wait, you know, get the extra year of service. And then there it is. It comes across my ticker that um, the White Sox have inked Alloy for six years, could be eight.
2: Yeah, and the White Sox have been working on this. I watched a clip from NBC Sports Chicago where Rick
0: Hahn sat down with Mm -hmm. Chuck Garfine. Chuck Garfine, very good on that channel. Chuck Garfine, a talented broadcaster indeed. He's celebrating Springsteen's half birthday today. Chuck Garfine is? Oh, yeah, big Bruce guy. He is? Yeah, Chuck was uh, one of Bruce's uh, buddies. He used to carry. He used to tune his guitar when uh, Bruce was on tour with the uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town tour. Are you making this up? No, Chuck Garfine and Bruce Springsteen are tight. I don't believe you. If, believe it, brother.
2: Hashtag our Chuck is tight with Bruce Springsteen. That seems like a major step up in...
0: What? Friendship. What? You think you I don't think, think Chuck's Garfine that cool. I don't can't think hang that, with the Bruce? I don't think he's that cool.
2: I just don't think he's that cool. I'm not, not you know, I'm I'm not that cool either. You're not that cool. Curtis Coke outstanding producer not that cool. I don't see Chuck on that level, but maybe he is. Okay, fine. I I, I no, I'm going to stick with not believing you. But the point being here, Harry, mm-hmm. is that Rick told Chuck that The White Sox have been working on this. He thought it was going to get done at the general manager's meetings, and there was a slight snag of whatever happened, and so it got done now. Here, by the way, was Rick Hahn talking to the media earlier today. Rick Hahn uh, just reminding everybody that Aloy is not exactly a finished product quite yet. Here is Rick Hahn speaking to just, you know,
3: hey, we got him signed. He's going to be great, but don't go crazy. He's not going to hit 500 in his first month, maybe. Important to keep in mind that as much talent and as much upside as we all know this man has, he is just one guy, and there's still going to be some development occurring at the major league level. So there's going to be ups and downs over the course of the next several months. That's only normal with a young player. Uh, the success of this entire process, if you've heard me say time and again, has not been about one guy. So while certainly there will be expectations and excitement and anticipation, this is about the long term, not about just the next few weeks or how the major league debut goes.
2: So there's Rick throw, Just a little bit of cold water, an ounce of... Uh... Just settle down, White Sox fans. He might not be perfect. Uh, I don't buy it for a second. He's going to be incredible. Rookie of the year. He could be. If I was going to Vegas and and could make a wager on that, that would make a whole lot of sense. Here is uh, Rick on how they have been working on this for quite some time.
3: We had the ideas in mind for something, the idea in mind for something like this generically from the start, as I alluded to. Uh, It wasn't until we had had Aloy in the system probably – after that first half year that it became apparent that he would be a very good candidate for something like this based on, uh, again, the makeup, the work ethic and obviously the talent. Uh, we weren't sure quite when the timing was going to align, whether it was going to be you know, after his first season in, in the big leagues or even before as we obviously decided to pursue this time around, uh, but he, he fit in with what we were looking for, a, a continuation on, on our history of being aggressive with these young guys, like I said, going back probably to Mark Burley.
2: So when you go through the math there of Rick Hahn, when they made the trade for him, when they gave up Jose Quintana, they're like, "Eh, you know what, we probably could sign this guy a la Mark Burley, a la Tim Anderson, a la Chris Sale, a la Jose Quintana. He's the type of guy that we would do that with. And they very well might go ahead and do that with, oh, I don't know, Michael Kopech when he gets back healthy. Less likely now with with, uh, Tommy John. But Luis Robert would be a candidate for that, right? Dylan Cease perhaps could be a candidate for that. Nick Madrigal could be a candidate for that. A lot of guys. Uh, Here's one more uh, with Rick talking about Eloy, about the character and uh, why they love him so much.
3: You know, our scouts, amateur scouts, our international scouts, our pro scouts are all... Charge was going out and scouting the makeup and getting to know the player uh, as best they can. And it is an important part of our reports and important part of our, our background research. But it's not until you get a guy on campus and you're with him 24 7 that you really are, are confident in what you're getting. Uh, Marco, you know, knowing Aloy back to his amateur days in the Dominican, though he spoke very highly of, of the makeup and the work ethic and the family background and the support system he had. Uh, so we were pretty optimistic about what we were getting. Uh, but it wasn't really until we had him with Winston and saw the way he treated his teammates, saw the way he acted as a leader, saw the uh, way he made adjustments, and took instruction and, and uh, put himself in the best position to succeed that we really felt you know our, our guys did a, hit this one on the nose in terms of uh, not just a quality player but a, a quality human being with a, a tremendous makeup.
2: So there you go, Rick Hahn. Brooks Bohr is going to join a senior vice president who's got a new guy that he can Market immediately for opening think,
0: day. Do you think? So that's exciting. And uh, the 74 jerseys ought to be flying around, uh, you know, guaranteed rate field. We saw the Copec jerseys last year when Michael came up. I think, uh, you know, for a guy who wears 74, he's such a unique player, he needed a unique number. So wherever he is, Hawk will be referring to him as the 74 dog. Hawk retired. I know. That's why I said wherever he is.
2: Oh, wherever Hawk is. I got yes. I got it. I missed that one. I'm sorry, Harry. My bad. It's all right. A little slow over here every now and then. All right, hey. Brooks yes. Boyer, Senior Vice President of your Chicago White Sox, will be with us next. We're going to hear from a lot on the program as well. Todd Steverson, White Sox hitting coach, coming up at 635. Very busy. White Sox mm-hmm. Weekly, opening day on Thursday, 720 WGN. <laughs> yes, indeed. There
0: will be Beatles night. Because the Beatles played at Comiskey Park in 1965. How cool is that? Were you there, Harry? No, I wasn't there, Carm. Was that a bad age joke by <laughs> me? Is well, that, is that wrong? I don't think we need to always put the word bad in there when we're talking about your jokes. Ooh, Harry, Senior Vice President,
2: Sales and Marketing, Brooks Boyer. Was that wrong? Did I just, was that unfair to my radio partner?
4: Nah, you know, he's come after uh, both of us at some point or another. Right. It's all fair
0: game. Hey. At the end, we love Harry, right? So we can go after him. I, I've uh, nothing but love for you guys. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to believe that the Beatles, you know, we're on the 50 year anniversary of Woodstock right now and there's seven acts that'll perform again. Uh, the Beatles night celebrates when the Beatles were here. They were actually here on the South Side. So I am, I am really fired up for that. And I'm guessing John Garland, uh, Paul Canurco, George Bell. I don't know who's Ringo in this White Sox organization. I don't know. That's a great Shingo. Shingo Takatsu. Oh, you're a,
4: you,
0: Brooks. You could do this for a living. <laughs> close, close I get. You gotta Sorry, that, I got to make that. You got to make that T-shirt. John Paul George and Shingo. Come on, that's a T-shirt. <laughs> money goes to charity. That's brilliant. Money, money, look, money can go to the White Sox. That's that. That works too. Yeah, well, it's split skis. <laughs>
4: there you go. Brooks, How are you guys doing? We're we're talk doing. baseball?
2: We're doing great. Good to talk to you. Great day for the White Sox organization. What was it like for you sitting there mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I got a, I got a fresh, shiny new toy. We knew you knew that uh, Aloy was coming, but now he's officially here, and it's sort of, it it gets real now, right?
4: It's it, it does, and and that's the fun thing. Our our fans have been very patient. You know, this is year three of the rebuild. You know, rebuilds you know take take some time, but it's also hard to be patient. It, it, it's hard to, to grind through some of these seasons that we've had. And that doesn't mean by signing Eloy that that we're going to be in the World Series this year, but it puts us on the right path uh, to get this guy here. Obviously, he's a talented player, and, and the, what he's able to do on the field is going to translate to, to butts in seats because he's going to be a very fun player to watch, obviously, now for a lot of years to come.
2: And it seems that uh, I know that there's no perfect person out there except for you, Harry, but the, he seems like just a wholesome guy that, you know, Sox fans are really going to be able to latch onto.
4: Yeah. I, I've heard the, the comparisons of, you know, the personality and ability of, of, big poppy to the swing ability of, of a Vlad Guerrero. You know, and you're, you're talking about hall of fame quality type players. And, and if, and, and if he can have, have that and have that flair and, and, and that tenacity of a, of a Frank Thomas uh, in, in his prime, uh, that, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun to watch. That's a, that's a guy that you can build uh, a program and a system and, and an organization around. So uh, we're putting a lot of pressure on a, a, a 22-year-old. That's true. Uh, but, from, but from everything I've seen, experienced with Eloy, He's okay with that, and 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 understands that that he's got to be uh, an elite player for us to accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish, and you know, he he wants a trophy. He wants a ring, and so uh, hopefully he'll be able to, to to be a part of that as we move forward. I mean, the guy's 22 years old, worth
2: millions. He's still living with his parents. That that that's uh, that's impressive <laughs> on some level.
0: Right. So you're cooler. You're cooler than he is.
2: I wouldn't say that. That's that would be inaccurate.
0: Okay. Hey Brooks, you know um, what's best thing about the uh, White Sox rebuild is all the fans are in on it. You know, it's like a positive vibe. Anytime you go out to the park, even though there were a lot of losses last year. Yeah, we had a lot of losses. But it was a positive vibe because the only way you're going to get great is – but you can't start a hotel on the 10th floor. you got to tear it down and start from the ground up. And, uh, you know, I think you guys are, are about to accomplish that. So it should be very, very fun season. The opening day will be in Kansas City this Thursday, then a week from Thursday against the Mariners. You guys open in the afternoon. Uh, 110 uh, is the start for that day. And I'm looking at your promotion list here, Brooks. And I'm I'm digging like I've, I've picked out one thing uh, from each month. So my favorite promotion in April is going to be the Jose Abreu bobblehead doll day on April 27th against the Tigers. Does that come with a Cuban cigar?
4: It does not. Oh. Um, oh. But you know you, what, what you're missing too is you got to look at that hoodie, that that guaranteed rate White Sox hoodie on the Saturday second uh, game of the season. Uh, it is really sharp. It is it is something you would find in the team store. Uh, so take a look at that one as well because that's going to be great. As you said, opening day is always fun. Weather forecast right now is in the fifties. We haven't had that in a long, long time. So uh, tickets are available for opening day. So so go to white dot com. Find those and and let's get this season underway. <laughs>
2: We had I I was out at Guaranteed Rate right Field earlier this week, Harry, trying the White Sox new food, which Antique Taco is making a move in here. Mm-hmm. That it it was it is phenomenal, right, Brooks? I mean, that was this. Ah. You you had to be excited about that addition.
4: I I'm an Antique Taco fan because it's right by the ballpark. They're just so unique. They're and 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 they're even like tacos that you didn't think you'd like. Uh, I've tried. and They're just—they're so good. I don't know what they're doing with them, but they're—they're they're just that. They're that good. And, and and United Center has done a really nice job of of bringing some some local restaurants in and, and giving people a taste of Chicago. And and it made sense for us to to look at something like that, especially with a place that's at 35th and Morgan. It's it's very close. If anyone has had it, they know exactly what we're talking about. And oh yeah. If you haven't had it. Make sure you uh, make sure you, you try that standout. It's going to be really good. But Mark, did you have the the Nashville hot chicken? Did you try
2: that? I tried that. It was delicious. I liked the sweet potato Nutella whipped cream chocolate nut thing for a little dessert product, which I think would go great in the seventh inning. I liked the uh, the little appetizer. What was those the uh, the elote nuggets? That was delicious elote too. Elote nuggets.
4: Elote nuggets are absolutely worth a try. They surprised me. I didn't. I didn't know what to expect, but uh, those are really good. And and there's going to be all sorts. We're going to have a stand that is all dedicated to fries. You hinted on the uh, uh, on the sweet potato fries, uh, but there's going to be all sorts of different flavors, different styles of French fries. So we're we're always trying to. Raise the bar on our food and beverage experience. That's part of the beauty of the of the craft cave. Now the Goose Island craft cave and uh, the Goose Island experience is going to be amazing. We're always trying to raise the bar for our fans and 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 try different things and and hopefully we found some things that people are going to like.
0: The Goose Island. Now, can people if people want to celebrate like a bachelor or a bachelorette party? Can they just like take out that Goose Island? Absolutely.
4: It's it's a terrific spot. There are season tickets. Uh, in the area there's there's only 56 season tickets in the area and those seats come with uh, every, for every two seats there's a TV there's a waiter waitress service from the uh, from the craft cave uh, and then on the entire island there is a there's waiter waitress service uh, it's it's designed for groups of, of however many and uh, we have six rows that that have seats like chairs and then we have two, Rows that are just standing room only. So if you're looking for an experience where you just like to hang out and and be by a really awesome bar, You'll be able to be by a really awesome bar and, and, and stand for the game and, and have really kind of assigned standing seating. So I think it's, a, it's something that our goal
0: was to provide something for everyone. We think we hit the mark. Hey, Carmen used to offer that in his apartment, assigned standing seating, every weekend. <laughs> that was it. Um, uh, those, Marvel hero, those Marvel superhero movies are the most popular movies in the world. What's going to happen July 27th against the Twinkies on Marvel Superhero Night, Brooks?
4: Well, hopefully, you know we'll we'll see Adam Eaton climb some walls and take some uh, <laughs> take some home run balls back. That would be the 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 best thing. Uh, we're gonna have Harry Tynowitz out there dressed as a superhero. Oh wait, that's every time Harry comes to the ballpark. Yes, gonna be dressed as a superhero. Let's let's do that. Yes, I'm hey, Cookie uh, Man, able to eat six cookies a, in a single bounce. So that's I and mean, that's that's what's fun about these about those types of events is we try to theme the entire night. So you'll have. Uh, people walking around, uh, taking pictures. You'll be able to take pictures of superheroes. Uh, we usually use the video boards to to, to make superheroes out of our players. Uh, so we always we always try to have a lot of fun with all of our theme nights.
2: Brooks Boyer, Vice President, Senior Vice President, Sales and Marketing, of Chicago White Sox here for a couple more moments on White Sox Weekly, seven twenty WGN. Carmen and Harry, I mean, you're doing Dog Day twice this year. Is that was that the same thing as last
4: year? Yeah, we've done that for the last couple of years because after we set the uh, the world record, uh, we, it is an actual Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, we we wanted to make sure we gave everybody an opportunity to, to get to, to come enjoy a game with their dog. So yeah, two dog days, two dog days. Um, the one that Harry's going to like, I can't believe he hasn't brought this one up, is we are going to do a Disco Demolition 40th anniversary commemorative commemorative T-shirt. And uh, it's uh, on June 13th against the Yankees. First 10,000 fans.
0: is the 40-year anniversary. That's got to be something, Harry. You've got to go. It's on, it's on the list. Do, do, does everybody get the little German helmet the doll was wearing that night?
4: <laughs> no, no, no.
0: You might actually get a doll. I mean, <laughs> you, could, you could actually leave. <laughs> a doll doll. You know, with, with Steve, with Matt, with any of the dolls. Um, <laughs> That that's awesome. You know, it, it's an event that will live in uh, infinity. But it, it's great to celebrate. And Field of Dreams, you can go see the movie Field of Dreams at the park. See a Sox game, see the movie Field of Dreams. That's really cool, Brooks.
4: We did that. We did that last year with Sandlot, and people really enjoyed it. That was and awesome. We think we can do it even, do it even better. Obviously, we have the technology with our video boards to be able to do things like this. So uh, we're very excited about uh, doing something like that again.
2: Brooks, we're looking forward to seeing you soon. And all summer
4: long, I know you'll
2: you'll be tired of us by the end of it, but we're looking forward to it.
4: Hey, anything I can do for you guys, let me know. Look forward to seeing fans out there. Tickets available for opening day. Weather's going to be good. Baseball's going to be good. Let's go, Eloy.
2: Absolutely.
0: And and, and dog days, I want a standings board. I want to know what fan has eaten the most hot dogs on a single dog day, and I want to have that up there all season long so other fans can shoot for it.
4: You know, it's the it's the Wednesday dollar dog Wednesday right. brought back. Those are the ones where you see people just crushing dogs. I don't know how they do it. It's like Kobayashi out there. <laughs> <laughs> Vienna beef, baby, the the real stuff, right? Yeah, Carlos Castillo. Uh, yeah, yeah, those are those are all Vienna. The uh, they're all Vienna beef dogs. People, think, you know, Someone asked me just the other day. They, you know, are they the cheap boiled dog? No, these are the real things. These are the real Vienna dogs. I don't know who would ask such a question.
0: No, no, nobody, no, nobody important. <laughs> it'll, it'll be nice to see Carlos Castillo at the park every Wednesday.
2: Brooks, you're the man. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Uh, Our Go Sox, Brooks Boyer, Senior Vice President, your Chicago White Sox. News is next, and then Todd Steverson, your White Sox hitting coach. Speaking of
0: opening day, Sox fans, it is a week from Thursday, one ten against Seattle. The first 20,000 fans get a White Sox long sleeve shirt presented by CIBC. It's a proud sponsor of your Chicago White Sox, CIBC Commercial Banking, Wealth Management, Personal Banking. Purchase your tickets today by visiting whitesox.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. News next, 720 WGN should have
2: said it, Rich King, you were right there. That's right, Aloy Jimenez gets his new paper, and he went three for three with a home run. One of those though was an infield hit, so let's not go too crazy.
0: Well, you know, it takes a really good hitting coach to work on how you get the perfect infield hit. It's true. That's very it, true. It's about Roger Bossard and uh, Todd Steverson getting together and discussing where on the infield they want to grow the grass a little higher. And when certain defenses are played, you got to say, okay, give him the single now for the infield hit.
2: White Sox hitting coach Todd Steverson joining us. Trick, I'm assuming that uh, this is one you don't want to get in the way of in Aloy. He's got some talent over there.
5: Oh, absolutely! I mean, Eloy's a, a, a great talent. Obviously, since we acquired him, he's been highly praised and and, and uh, rightfully so. So uh, it's nice to have him on board.
2: Who would you compare him to?
5: Uh, that's 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 a good question. Uh, I really can't say who I compare him to yet. Really, honestly, I probably have seen about like eyeball to eyeball. 25 to 30 at-bats over the last couple years. Okay. Uh, so I've seen all his video from the minors. I've seen you know everything. I've talked to all the coaches that Adam These um, a special kid.
0: Is is this like the kind of kid that could get you in trouble? Like if he's a great hitter, it's because this guy is a great young hitter. And if he's not a great hitter, it must be the hitting coach's fault. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh well, I mean, hey, you know, I'll, I'll take the challenge one way or the other. Um, no, I mean, he's coming to the big leagues with with a very good skill set off the get go. Uh, he's proven himself in the minor leagues. It's time to go to the next next step, which is is the, the highest step in the big leagues, and uh, you know, try your talents there. Obviously, the big leagues is not just something you can just walk right through at, at, at uh, all the time. So, you know. There's going to be some uh, getting used to and some acclimation, but one thing doesn't change from the minus to the big leagues is 60 feet, six inches to the whole plate, and the plate's the same size, 17 inches
0: wide. So, Todd, who's getting you giddy? You've been down there in Arizona. You've been watching everybody come out there and swing. Which batter is making you go, all right, this guy might be something special this year?
5: I think everybody's having a pretty good spring, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by everything that, that Timmy's doing. and Also, uh, Yohan, what he's doing also, um, Pito, I'll bring you is swinging back really well, uh, this spring. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we got an acquisition in McCann and having Castile kind of back for a full year here. We also helped the lineup, uh, John Jay, Alonzo, Alonzo's starting to heat up a little bit right now. Um, Actually, Engel's actually swinging a bat pretty decent right now himself, also. So, right now, I think everybody's doing a pretty good job putting together some quality at bats.
2: I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, Johan's hitting 356. Uh, you know, he's slugging 548. He's, he's, I mean, 16 for 45. Four doubles, three homers. And it, it's all across the board here. Jose Abreu's hitting 316, slugging 596. So, I mean,. You don't want to get too caught up, though, in spring numbers, right? I mean, how's the approach? Where well, you haven't been out there, Trick. So the, would you say that uh, – at least well, let's talk about Moncada. Would you say we've seen a little bit of a improved approach at the plate?
5: I believe so. I mean, uh, one year in the big leagues can give you a lot of insight on, on what you're in store for. Uh, also remember it, and you don't want to use anything as – he's 23 years old, and he was he highly talented when he came up. Uh, from the minor leagues and he put it out there. He took his bumps. Uh, he also did some really good things. And, and now it was time to reflect upon last year. And that's what he did. Took his time out, coming back with a nice focused thought process of, of what he's about to face. And that's a good idea. And the approach has been
2: positive. I saw one stat today with two strikes. Johan was hitting about a buck, 100 and, you know, when he's up in the count, huge difference. And that's not, you know, that's typical for a lot of hitters. But it's it's pretty big once he gets to that two-strike part that he just was not successful at all last year. Is that, in your mind, I guess, normal for a young hitter? And how does he go about improving that?
5: Well, let's be, let, let's be clear on one thing. The league itself in two-strikes hits 178. Right. Okay. So that's everybody combined in two-strike count. So it's not it's not conducive, it's not a whole lot of success, obviously, in a two strike counts. He just got there more often and didn't and had didn't have as much success. But yes, before two strikes, your numbers are off the chart. That being said, pretty much everybody in the in the in a major league gets to a two strike count close to forty, uh, 40 to forty five percent of the time of your at pass. So you gotta have a two strike approach. You have to go in there and have a, have an idea. Of, uh, still trying to put the barrel on the bat, I mean, uh, the barrel on the ball with, 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 two strikes. So, uh, it's easy to say just put the ball in play before two strikes. But truth of the matter is, if you watch it, everybody gets two strikes, you know, uh, a good amount of time. It's just a matter of how you, how you're handling those at bats, uh, and converse to when you are in two strikes.
0: Todd, there have been some awfully exceptional hitters who when they got to two strikes, they'd choke up on the bat. Bill Buckner comes to mind. Do you believe in preaching that kind of thing?
5: We do. Actually Johan chokes up with two strikes. He did last year I mean, a lot of our guys choked up with two strikes. And it it was it is it was mandated and yeah, through through myself that everybody uh get off the end of the knob and, and choke up and give yourself a some, some more back, back control through the zone with two strikes. And uh, it, it's just more it's, – it's necessary. I mean, that being said, you know, hey, we, 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 still, we still were top of to the league in the strikeouts last year. You still have to have a plan and approach. Just choking up is not going to get it done. You still have to have a plan and approach, touch that baseball and swing a decent pitch to be able to do it.
2: White Sox hitting coach Todd Steverson with us here on White Sox Weekly. What what have you seen from Nick Madrigal this spring, Trick?
5: He's a player. That guy's a player. He comes with a lot of fire. Uh, He loves the game. That's one of the best things I think I saw out of him. He's a student of the game, loves the game, probably would sleep on second base if you you get an opportunity overnight. But, no, another another good call right there uh, by our scouting department and front office.
0: Hey, uh, Todd, you know – Leori Garcia has been just great uh, so far. I, like are you feeding him differently? What, what? why the improvement with him at the plate?
5: Yeah. <laughs> you look at Larry's numbers though, over the past couple of years. Larry swings the bat in too. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a force to be regular with the bat. He is he just hasn't uh gotten six hundred at bats in a year. You know, his his at bats come a little more spotty. They, uh, he plays center, plays the infield. Uh, he's doing a lot of different things on him, and he's very valuable. But I think I can't say for sure. I'm pretty sure a couple years ago he hit 270-something, and I'm not exactly sure what he hit last year. But uh, Larry, Larry hit double-digit home runs a couple years ago. If I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure about that, too.
0: He's a force, he to, be, a force to be reckoned with. That's what I'm being told he, today.
5: He... I, he is, uh, <laughs> he is he's, he's, a, hes a talent, I'll tell you that. Uh, to be able to do all the things he does on the baseball field in terms of positional, uh, he can use the whole field. He's a switch hitter. He can run. I mean, he's got a lot of tools. he got a lot of tools to go up there. And uh, this being – he's been there ever since I've, I've been with the White Sox. So I think this going on his fifth, fourth, four and a half or fifth full year, what it might be, uh, he, he's uh, – He's a good. He's a good player to have on the team.
2: Trick, make a prediction before you go here. What player makes the biggest jump this year?
5: Well, you guys are always trying to pin me down on something? what I, we do? I, I, make, yeah, I said. I hope they all make a, a a big jump. Uh, uh, you know what? I mean, ask me that. Ask me that question at the end. Of, at the end of. Uh, I heard your weather report before I came on here. <laughs> ask, me, ask me that when, when we when we get out of when we got out of April May, and I'll answer that question for you.
2: So, so June one, we're going to sit in the dugout, and you're going to answer that question.
5: I will talk to you about it at that point. Absolutely, I'll say that exactly okay. who, who's on their way to have a really good season.
0: Um, we are both big Daniel Polka guys. I'm getting on this a little nervous show. here. Uh, it's just it's just him coming off his hammy injury, right? And he's going to be back to the guy he was last year.
5: He did he did have an uh, injury earlier in camp. Uh I think he's sitting somewhere around uh just under maybe 30 at bats right now, which we typically like to get our guys in the in the high mid to high 50-60. Uh, before we leave camp. So he is a little bit behind in terms of impact. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, the power still there. The the, the the ability to hit the ball uh, in a gap or over a wall in all parts of the ballpark are still there. Uh, it's, it's a matter of getting your timing back. You take some time off from taking it back, uh, your timing, the timing is the first thing to go, and you got to get it back and start getting back on the saddle. All
2: right. That's that works for me. Trick, we look forward to seeing you. Started off well in Kansas City. We'll see you at the ballpark uh, a week from then. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 just gonna go on on record right now. I think the guy who makes another jump this year is Tim Anderson. Uh, I'm I'm doing it right now. I'll
5: take that with you. Okay, I'm with you on that. Jimmy is uh is coming to camp with a with a nice focus and and he is driving the ball to. To all parts of the field specifically using the big part of the field, middle, opposite side, which he's one of our best hitters doing that. And if you see him hitting the ball like that consistently,
2: watch out. I just love his attitude. That dude wants to be as good as he can possibly be.
0: And Todd loves him because he's a football player trapped in a baseball player's body.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, did, did I win our last? Did I win our last agreement?
2: I just can't remember. You said what was the? I asked you who did you think would be an all-star first? Trubisky or Moncada? And you took Trubisky, and he did go to the Pro Bowl this year. So I think you did.
5: Well, we're going to change that here at some
2: point. <laughs> I think that was the question. I know
0: that So what what do you own,
2: Mark? I, I don't know what I own, but I know that he backed Mitchell Trubisky when I was trying to get him to dog Trubisky and he didn't do it and and gave gave him some love. So good for you, Todd. Hey,
5: hey, I for talent I still need him to come out to the ballpark to work on his slide, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> We we can, we can work that out another time closer closer to the uh, camp.
2: Fair enough. Did you you got did you do an NCAA tournament, Paul? Pool.
5: I don't like doing those things like that. Uh, I can't I can't pick those. Okay. Um, I, I watch it obviously, but I'm I'm not very good at the brackets because when you see somebody like whatever you know, Sister Marys or, and all the other stuff that you've never <laughs> seen all year long, and you pick against them, and all of a sudden they they within two. You know, with five seconds left, you're like, "That's just you." Might well flip
2: a coin sometimes. You are, you are an analyzer. You, Todd, you want to know your stuff before you put your foot forward. I, I appreciate that. This is there's no willy nilly going on with Todd Steverson. We got to have the information. How you doing in yours? <laughs> Not good.
0: Uh, he did pick <laughs> okay. one. He did pick one winner since we last spoke. Uh, Carm has gotten engaged.
2: We don't, need, we don't need to talk about that. But, yes, that's true. All Well, the
5: phone should be lighting up right now, giving you a bunch of congratulations. I'll give you one myself.
2: Congratulations on that.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. I can't <laughs> wait to talk with you at Carm's wedding. It's going to be on an off day <laughs> <laughs> for her.
2: <laughs> to- Todd, see you soon. Have a great start to the season. Thanks for jumping on. <laughs> All right, you got it. Take care, boys. Always our pleasure. Todd Stevenson, White Sox. Hitting coach, quick timeout, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, one more hour to go on a Saturday evening. Hope your NCAA tournament pool is going well. Before we get to our next guest, which is uh, Sarin Petro, who hosts the program in Kansas City, one of the great names in the history of radio, the program. Why didn't you have a cool name like that, Harry?
0: Uh, I was going to, uh, but at the last second we just decided to go with Harry. Yeah,
2: well, I, that's it's, it's a winner right there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had a moment today, went to a... Brand new bakery. Oh, you
0: didn't right. call me.
2: Didn't call you. Was with the lovely fiance. We're at the bakery. I,
0: I like to call her Chelsea.
2: Yeah, we or she ordered a blueberry muffin. Good choice. Right, blueberry muffin comes to the table. It's a little bit of a stale, not fresh, moist blueberry muffin.
0: You you, you wouldn't expect that from a new bakery,
2: right? She takes. So she's like, I'm going to take the muffin back. And I'm like, you're taking back the blueberry muffin? The $3 blueberry muffin will really go and return? like, so yeah, it's not good. So she takes it back. Didn't like the blueberry muffin. They give her something else. This delicious delicious almond thing. No problem. So I put it out on Twitter. Have you ever taken back a blueberry muffin? I've done a million, uh, you know, the at the car I'm on Twitter. We do a lot of polls. No one in the history has ever had a 100% poll. Have you ever returned a blueberry muffin to a bakery? zero people that follow me have ever returned a blueberry muffin zero. I've got 68 votes, 100% no, never returned a blueberry muffin. She was. She's the. And I, I appreciate it. She didn't like her muffin. She paid for a muffin. She wanted a fresh muffin. It wasn't fresh. She took it back. But no one has ever done that before. I just want that on the record that I am marrying
0: someone who's willing to return a blueberry muffin. Yes, and hopefully you never will, and you'll stay married.
2: Thoughts on this, Seren Petro, host of the program's eight ten WHB, Kansas City. Have you ever returned a blueberry muffin? This is a big topic right here.
6: Really, I found that it's, uh, in my world, it's impossible to uh, make a blueberry muffin so bad that uh, it needs to be returned. But if it was returned, I'm sure it was with good reason. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, somebody actually messed up the only thing you seemingly can't mess up. So good for her.
0: And Serena, it seems to me like the later in the evening it is, the less chance you would actually be returning it.
6: You would think you would think, but listen, uh, I appreciate the fact that this is kind of the yin and yang of life, right? She's willing to accept Carmen, but she's <laughs> not willing to accept the muffin. And I think that shows that this is a woman with a big heart, yet still fine taste.
2: Wow. Wow. I didn't think that was gonna get all the way there, but that was pretty good right there.
0: Strong. <laughs> Strong.
6: Seren, <laughs> you're uh you know m- yet still. You know, the finer things in life she appreciates. You right. know? I think that's great. Right, I, I
2: right. like your friend Seren already. This, sir, sir, Seren uh, has it going on here. And honestly, of the people that I know in this world, mm-hmm. there are very few who know more about baseball than Seren Petra, who I believe right when you came out of the womb, you started, what would you have, like your, your old, you had a whole Tops collection that year. You know every stat dating back to,
6: what, 1978, would you say? Sure. I mean, if you want to say that, I'm not going to argue with you. It's not true, but, you know, listen, I'm not going to get in your way, man. Go for it. You you,
0: you came out of the womb going, hey, doctor, hey, doctor.
6: Yeah, yeah see, so, you know, the guy who knows baseball is always the guy who played fat kid row. Catcher first and right field and all of his baseball and softball exploits. That's always the guy who really knows the game. Couldn't play it well enough, so you had to study it a little bit, right?
0: You're talking my language. Dude, I was so good in Little League that they had to put in a rule for me. Every kid had to play at least two innings. Yeah.
6: <laughs> Yeah, trust me, that rule applied to me as well, my friend.
0: Yeah, right. the coach would look at me and say, Harry, it's the sixth inning, quick, get in there in right field. And I'd look at the coach, i go, but coach, my muffin will get cold. That's
6: right, well, there you go. Now we're back to the muffins, you know? It's funny how the world comes full circle.
2: All right, here, let's let's talk about this team, the Kansas City Royals, who are in the midst why? of a, Well, that's why well, I'm going to get there. Uh, you're... First of all, why is Ned Yost still managing the Royals? And he's got this – every time I watch a Ned Yost video this spring, he's so irritated with anybody asking him a question about anything on on his club. It's like, didn't you win a World Series? Shouldn't you be more relaxed right now? But he, I guess he wants to do it again even though he's you know, getting up there here as Ned Yost is.
6: You know, I, it's interesting because I asked him the same question because about five or six years ago, before they really – took off, I think it was maybe in the 2013 spring training, I said, yeah, how much longer are you going to manage? He said, you know, I think about two years. And then when he got into like the end of 14 after they went to the World Series, everyone was asking him like, you know, he's back for the 15th season like, how long are you going to manage? How long are you going to manage? They had 15 spring training, same thing after they'd, uh, you know, then been to the World Series and, you know, had success. And in and, and 16 he was getting the same questions. He, and I asked him that and he said, well, I don't understand why everyone keeps asking this. I go, because Ned, like four years ago you told us two years and you're still here. Like, what's the deal? What drives you? I mean, you know, four years ago, it did not seem like you were going to win a world championship. In fact, you know, he was nearly fired, or at least the fans wanted him fired at the All Star, or just after the All Star break in 2014, when they were five games under 500 before they caught fire, took off, and then got the wild card and went all the way to the World Series before losing in seven games to the Giants. You know, the fan base wanted him out. I remember taking calls about how he's got to go. He doesn't get it. Dayton Moore's got to go. You know, the fan base was totally not believing in where things were going, and then they caught fire and made that run, and everybody got on board. But Ned seemingly forgot that, uh, you know, that, that, that he had made those statements. I asked him about it at spring training this year, and he said, well, back then my wife was on me all the time. I'm like, ah, we got grandkids. He did this, like, funny voice. He's like, we got grandkids. When are you going to come home? When are you going to come? We got grandkids. You got to get home. And he said, you know, I thought, baby, it'll be all right. It'll be okay. He goes, now she's Okay. You know, everything's working out. I'm there enough. She's happy. So I don't have her in my ear. And so he goes, I don't know how long I'm going to manage. I'm, You know, for the foreseeable future, I'm going to be here. And I've, I think the question was, is he the right guy to go through a rebuild? Well, he went through the first rebuild. The, the bigger question was really – Was he the right guy to manage a team that was ready to win a world championship? And, you know, when he went up against the Baltimore Orioles in the ALCS in 2014, the headline, I think it was on uh, Baseball America, I can't remember, some prominent site or, or publication said it was the genius versus the bozo. And the genius was not Ned. Right, The genius was Buck Showalter. Well, Buck Showalter's gone. Ned's still here. Ned beat the Orioles in four straight games, went to the World Series, won the next World Championship. So he does something right. He's not a numbers guy. All the numbers guys don't like him, but he's pretty good at managing the club. He's very good at managing the club and the personalities. He's turned over his whole coaching staff. He has a great connection to Dayton Moore, and so I think he enjoys what he's doing. He's making good money. You know, he said this year, and I think this is maybe the concerning part, he said, listen, my farm's paid for, everything's taken care of. You know, I don't have a lot of stress. I don't have a lot of worries. Well, all right, so do you have the hunger to win again? That's the real question. I guess we'll we'll find out this year. But it's it's been kind of an up-and-down road, and and I don't think this was always the plan, but I think this is how it's evolved, and I think there's a comfortable working relationship between him and Dayton Moore, and that's why he's still there.
0: Soren, you've got a lot of names that people will recognize, a couple guys that we just saw glimpses of. That's who I want to ask you about. What can you tell us about your young corners, Ryan O'Hearn and uh, Hunter Dozier over a third. You know, Hearn, if he's if he's going to be
6: for real, is, is going to be a guy that is in the match stairs with Merrifield. Like, we didn't see it coming. He'd been in the minor leagues. We thought he had some ability, but we weren't sure if he was just a 4A player. You know, when you get to the big leagues finally at 24 years old, you're not a hot prospect. He's always had power. He's always had decent to good on base percentage, but he's always been a little bit older than the league that he was in. So a lot of it was written off. Last year he got an opportunity in the big leagues The actually called him up when he was having one of his Worst minor league seasons. He was batting 232, 322 on base, sub 400 slug. I remember talking to J.J. Picola, who uh, runs a lot of the minor league part of the organization for the Royals, and I said, you know, why, why, why are you giving him the call? I mean, there are other guys with bigger numbers, and they said, listen, frequency of hard hit contact. I mean, he's driving the ball, he's hitting into a lot of unlucky outs, but this is the guy that that really is actually making, having the best at bats and making the most contact, which to me is a credit to all scouting out there because again, 230. 32. 322, 391 slug, 713 OPS. That doesn't say we've got to get this guy, this 24-year-old, to the big leagues so he can go. Then he gets to the bigs, has a 950 OPS, has a 597 slug. He was driving the ball. He was hitting it hard. And I think when he ran into more strike, thrower, those strike throwers, and there are a few guys that are like this, when they get to the big leagues and you don't have the guy who just can't find the plate, and guys are consistently around the plate, they can barrel the ball a little bit better, and he proved to be one of those guys. Now, that's not to say he's a building block. For this team, I think this is a big prove-it year for him. The league will adjust to him. They've seen that slugging percentage. The pitchers will now read the scouting report on him instead of just saying, well, this is some 4A guy, whatever, let's go out and have some drinks the night before because I'll blow this guy away no matter what he hits. And now they'll take him seriously. And so now it's up to him to kind of prove it. And I think when the Royals go out and just a day or two ago sign Lucas Duda, you're kind of like, all right, where are you on him? Are you still even convinced about him. So, look, he's got power. He's always had power. He hit the ball well last year, didn't translate numbers-wise down in the minor leagues, but certainly did at the big leagues. And now he's got to prove that he's one of those guys that really flies under the radar, like a Merrifield or a Matt Stairs or a number of ball players that have come before him that, that are actually better than whatever their prospect ranking was.
2: A couple more minutes with Sarin Petro previewing the division. Here We're looking at the Royals. And, of course, the White Sox open with the Royals 3-15, This coming Thursday in Kansas City, Sox fans, if you're going down there, go to Gates, go to... Uh, where, where are you recommending for your barbecue here, Sarin? I know you've got uh, lots Joe's of Kansas thoughts. Joe's
6: Kansas City Barbecue, 47th and Mission. It is the original in the gas station. It is where every ball club goes to, every concert that comes through here goes to. It is the gold standard of barbecue. Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. Three locations, but you got to go to the original in the gas station. It is Mecca. If you love barbecue, you must at some point have eat the dine there. If you haven't, you're not a true barbecue aficionado. Well,
2: a phenomenal fry at that, uh, at that
6: Joe's for the Record. Best prize in Kansas City. Been voted that number of times.
2: So, who is Brad Keller? Rule 5 draft pick starting on opening day for you all. I know that he had a decent year last year, but that's not a name that a lot of White Sox fans or baseball fans even know.
6: Yeah, right. A guy who had a lot of talent, but 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 couldn't stay healthy, uh, and really didn't have that many innings before he got to the Royals, and they rule five him, and the hope was that he could just kind of bullpen a little bit uh, and be effective out of the pen. Had a four sixty eight ERA in two thousand and seventeen at Double A before the Royals took him out of the uh, Rule Five draft. Tweaked a couple of things. He comes back and throws a three oh eight ERA up there. Now listen, ninety six Ks to fifty walks in one hundred and forty innings says that. Maybe there's a market correction coming, but you read some of the advanced metrics. There's a great story written on how well he tunnels his pitches. In other words, every pitch out of his hand, and they show some great uh, gifts where he throws fastball, he throws changeup, he throws, you know, different pitches breaking different directions, and they all come out exactly the same way, and then you see the pitches dive wherever they're going to go, and it sprays out all over the strike zone that he is really, you know, he's kind of awkward because those gifts make you think, this guy's a legitimate, legitimate number one. Salvador Perez said right away at spring training, this is our number one starter. He's the guy, and actually clearly the organization went to him and said, whoa, 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 calm down, because then he came out and tried to correct it. But, of course, he ends up being the opening day starter for the Royals. There's a lot to like in what he does. He's still only going to be 23 years old this year. So the peripheral numbers make you scratch your head and say, all right, did he just kind of trick some people, and now the league's going to catch up to him? Maybe. We'll see. But a lot of when you look at the the way, the way he throws the baseball, he's got a lot of deception. He's working on a better changeup now. He adds that to the mix, and I think he's got, a, got the kind of stuff that can be very effective. Not can overpower you never going to win a strikeout title or anything like that but really can get hitters off balance and create a lot of ground balls
2: Soren petro 810 whb the program up against the clock here real quick how many wins for the royals
6: 72, there's some people saying they can push towards 80. But, you know, listen, you, you take on a few injuries, they've got some pieces to like. You know, one of the biggest ones is Alberto Mondesi. He's going to be a stud. Whit Merrifield is solid. But a lot of, there's a lot of ifs, if, 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 if. Too many ifs equals that you're not ready. So I think this is a year where they, they spin their wheels a little bit. 70, 72 wins, maybe 75 wins if everything goes right. I think you're looking more towards 21, 22, 23 for when the Royals break back out.
2: Good to talk to you, brother. Appreciate you. We'll send you some blueberry muffins.
6: (laughs) All right, listen. Yeah, can't get enough of them. If you bring them, I'll eat them.
2: (laughs) It's always a winner. All right, Sarin, be good. All right, see you, boys. Thanks for having me. Sarin Petro, 810 WHB in Kansas City. We're going to talk to Belton, Bill Melton, coming on back here. Uh, Of course, from your NBC Sports Chicago, former White Sox, 720 WGN.
7: Alexei! Yes! Yes!
8: yes 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 history
2: happy birthday Mark Burley 40 years young today Harry Tynowitz you love this this is a, this is that is a Harry Tynowitz rejoin right no, there No,
0: because I, I love Mark Burley I'll tell you that Mark Furley, one of my all-time favorite White Sox. Uh, The guy was uh, five foot nothing and uh, just kept getting guys out. I'll never, you know, he threw the perfect game. He threw the no-hitter. I'll always remember him trotting out of the uh, bullpen in left field in Houston to go get the Astros in the 14th inning in 2005. One of my other all-time favorite White Sox, number 14, Melton Bill Melton, he won the American League home run championship just a couple few years ago. He is the star, despite what you're reading about Ozzy Guillen. He remains the star of White Sox pre and post. We welcome Melty to White Sox Weekly. Fourteen, how you doing tonight?
9: I'm doing pretty good, Harry. You sound like a Reinsdorf last week at the dinner we had <laughs> when they keep in, when they keep introducing me to the 1971 home run. Jerry said, "Boy, this guy's old." And I said, "Well, yeah, you know, so forty some years ago, what do you expect?" So anyway, uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I cut, I'm, I want to say I'm cutting back. I just felt at the time last year that you know I've had twenty years of the pre and post been a lot of fun, a lot of ups and downs and stuff. But just figured, you know what, uh, I probably want to just uh, you know be more of an ambassador and be around the ballpark a little bit more and. You know, if I have to say goodbye to people I've known for a lot of years, I mean, that's the perfect time to do it, not, uh, in the studio. And I think they, uh, talking to, uh, everybody, I just felt there was time now that, you know, you probably uh, go a little bit younger. you got a young club coming up. Uh, Ozzie was available. Frank's available. Kasednik's available. So they're going to have three or four of us. I'll fill in, uh, when guys can't make it, which is fine. And, uh, Uh, You know, Ozzie didn't want to be, wasn't going to be at ESPN. He's a perfect uh, person to be there. He's uh, in good graces with the White Sox again. He's very entertaining. And uh, so he'll probably do 30 games, maybe 40 games. I'm not sure how it's all going to break down. Uh, I just felt, you know what, it's time to turn it over and let some other guys do it. You think you'll miss it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been with the White Sox 50 years. I mean, this is – you know 20 years of that and played with them and signed when I was 17 um yeah that's why I'm going to go back for a year and uh, probably go into all the suites and talk to a lot of people maybe about what's happening now maybe things that happened to me in the past who knows so well, you're always. Yeah, I'm, I, I would assume yeah you got to miss it after that many years I've been in the game all but about eight years since I was 17 so yeah I I'd be wrong if I said I wasn't going to miss it. Well, you, we're in we're in booth six, uh, Bill yeah. Melton. You're
2: you're welcome there every
9: minute of every game. Boy, well, you got my phone number too. You know how to get in touch. You want? To, I'm not moving away from the game. I'll be watching almost uh, just about every game. So if you need somebody to call, just give me a call. Awesome,
0: uh, Melty. I'll be going into all the suites too. The only difference <laughs> is I'll be serving the dessert card. Um, uh, Melty, how hard is it for Johan Moncada to move from second base to playing third base? I tell you, I've talked to
9: a few people about that. I think when I came up as a right fielder, I concerned myself uh, so much with cutoff plays, and you know, I really didn't. I had a above average speed at that time. The reason I was in right field because I had a very strong arm, and remember, Al Lopez came up and converted me the following year to a third baseman. I think it's going to help him to concentrate more on hitting because if you look at third base, it's more of a reactionary position. Uh, When you're at second base and shortstop, you're worried about all the cutoff plays. You're worried about, uh, you know, throwing a guy out at second base. You always lean in one way or the other, uh, you know, and think and probably concern himself a little bit too much uh, with, you know, what was going on in the field, cutoff plays and stuff. With third base, it's all reactionary. He's a big kid. He's got a strong arm. So now I think he can concentrate more on just hitting and not worry about turning double play the speed of the runners uh you know you're always involved as a second baseman and it takes your mind off of hitting and i think they want him to concentrate primarily on hitting what are you seeing from lucas giolito uh not i i just don't you know what he's got he's got stuff uh he's got a good fastball he's got a great curveball uh his changeup works at times but I think you're going to have to start showing a little bit more. I'm not even sure what the rotation is, to be honest with you. I don't know if he's four or five. uh, Right now, four. Well, he's got to throw strikes. You you can't pitch at this level always in trouble, and he seemingly is always in trouble. And when you're always in trouble, you put a lot of pressure on your defense, and they're not going to make the plays behind you generally. Uh, Probably a little too easy to steal on. Uh, I don't know. I haven't uh, saw him a whole lot in spring training. I think, uh, you know, he's got the arm to be a four or five now. Uh, his, you know, you can't throw in on 30 starts. You can't give us 10 good ones and 20 bad ones. So there's other guys pushing the door. So uh, that might help him a little bit, uh, but I've got to see more and more strikes out of him.
0: Uh, Melty, now tell us tell us again for fans that are looking for a Bill Melton. You're going to be wandering around at Guaranteed Rate Field all season long doing, you know, here and there on uh, Sox broadcasts.
9: Well, here's what we got. We got myself, uh, Harold Baines, and Ron Kittle. We'll probably do what they call ambassadors, do most of the appearances in the suites about every home game. Uh, we'll go out and do speeches. Uh, stuff like that. I've already got maybe six or eight games I'm going to be doing on uh, NBC. I think they're going to add some more. Uh, if somebody can't make it, let's say Isaac can't make it one night, uh, they'll let me know in time, and I'll just walk over there and do the game. So Mostly involved at the ballpark and uh, representing the White Sox out in the community, uh, and but a little bit of the uh, NBC stuff, uh, fan appreciation days, things like that, but you got my phone number, Harry. If you need to talk baseball, feel free. You you know we you will. You can get me anywhere. You can get me anywhere.
0: You, I, I know where to start looking for you. <laughs> yeah, we will. M- you're beloved, Melty. We everybody loves you. Yep. I mean, fans love you, players love you, guys, uh, you know, and the media love well, you. And in Kittle and Baines, they found the the White Sox player who talked the least and the White Sox player who talked the most.
9: <laughs> uh, no, I got. I worked on Harold. Harold, you can't shut him up now. <laughs> now he's a Hall of Famer. We'll never keep him quiet. I appreciate all the compliments. And, again, I'm around the ballpark, and uh, you're right. I've been there an awful long time. So i uh, met a lot of people, got a lot of friends there. It's almost my home away from home, to be honest with you. I mean, like I said, I was born in Mississippi, raised in California, but I really lived in Chicago. So uh, I'm looking forward to coming back next week.
2: Bill Melton, you're the man. We're up against the news here. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Belton, Bill Melton, love them. Quick timeout news next, and then uh, we'll preview the Indians after the seven thirty news. Seven twenty WGN.
0: It's good to be king. Just for a while. White Sox fans, join us at the White Sox ballpark as they take on the Seattle Mariners, April sixth at one ten. The first fifteen thousand fans receive a White Sox hoodie. They're gorgeous. Presented by Guaranteed Rate, your trusted teammate throughout the mortgage process. Get started today at Wraith.com. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com.
2: Carmen Harry on 720 WGN. We're playing a Little Petty. It's Good to Be King because we are talking about the Kings of the Central Division. Oh. I like that. Yeah. Tom Hamilton, long, long, long time voice of your Cleveland Indians who was enjoying being up top, I would assume, the division. And. Dreaming of a World Series, right, Tom? Thanks for joining us on White Sox Weekly. We appreciate it. I guess the question, you know, that everybody's asked about the Indians: Have they done enough in the off season to, you know, be in the World Series conversation? Because everybody is pretty much conceding the division to them already.
8: Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I mean, it was a, <clears throat> it was a tough off season for a ball club that has won three straight divisional titles, and you know, obviously. Only a few years ago that they and the Cubs put on that classic, fall classic, and the Indians had to cut payroll. And that's hard to do when you're expected to win another division title. But, you know, the team was losing money, and um, they had had their two largest payrolls ever. So they had to cut some payroll, and and that meant losing some guys that have been key parts of this. Uh, They didn't re-sign Michael Brantley because of that. Um, they made the trade of Edwin Encarnacion for Carlos Santana, although that's pretty much a wash financially, but traded away Jan Gomes. So, you yeah, know, I, I think the question that you asked uh, still needs to be answered. And and honestly, I got down here in mid-February talking about Arizona. The same questions we had about the Indians in mid-February, we still have today. You know, will they have enough weapons in that bullpen? Do they have enough offense? And You know, they're going to open up on Thursday in Minneapolis with Frankie Lindor and Jason Kipnis both on the DL, and that's your keystone combination. So, those are two guys you're counting on already for a depleted offense. So, you know, they still have the rotation intact, but uh, I don't think this is a shoe-in, guys. I think Minnesota is vastly improved, and, you know, they just seem to be one year where they over, I don't know, overproduce and... Then the next year, it seems like they underperformed.
0: So they're a tough team to figure out. You mentioned your starting rotation, Tom. It's, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, were you guys close to moving one of your top three, or did you think that wasn't going to happen?
8: I, I thought it might happen, uh, but um, you know, they never got what they, they demanded. And quite frankly, uh, when it comes to starting pitching, especially the caliber of a Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer, you better demand a lot. And so the good thing for the Indians is that they were able to reduce payroll without having to make a starting pitcher part of that payroll reduction. So if they make a trade and, you know, anything is still possible. I know they're, they're looking to make a move here, especially with the Indians uh, injuries up the middle, but if they would trade a starting pitcher now, it's got to be a deal that knocks the Indians socks off because, we all know how expensive starting pitching is. We know how hard it is to get the Indians by far have the deepest rotation in baseball. And so they're not giving away any of these guys as much as teams have tried to get them.
2: So Tom, tell us about Trevor Bauer. I mean, here's a, a, a fascinating guy. He's, he only wants to sign one year deals. He seemingly doesn't care if anybody likes him. He at- tax people on Twitter and I don't know, it just sort of is part of his brand. And you also have the other part that this is an incredibly talented guy who continues to get better. I mean, what's your your read on, on Trevor and having a guy like that on your club?
8: Well, the good thing about Trevor and for some of his, should we say, oddities or things that he does that maybe the front office or the manager isn't pleased with, he doesn't poison your clubhouse. There's there's none of that where, you know, he's been a bad guy in the clubhouse and it's impacting others. That's not been the case at all. I don't know why he makes it so difficult on himself with some of the things he does. But, you know, I'm not his dad, so <laughs> it. Uh, I'm glad I'm not, quite honestly, because uh, I, I wouldn't want my four kids saying and doing some of the things he's done. That being said, he could have easily won the Cy Young last year had he not been hit by that line drive the first week in August. Yeah. That, in essence, ended his season. And, you know, he pitched today, and it was announced afterwards that Corey Kluber, which is no surprise, I mean, this was talking about an obvious uh, happening, but Tito made it official today that Corey Kluber will start the opener on Thursday, and Bauer would go game two. Well, Bauer pitched today, And then stormed off and wouldn't talk to any of the media afterwards. Mm -hmm. And we're just speculating that that's because he wasn't named the starter. But, you know, at the end of the day, Corey Kluber's earned the right to start opening day. He's won two Cy Youngs. He's coming off a 20-win season. He's everything you want in a leader and a guy that anchors that rotation. So if Bauer felt like he should have got the nod, if that's why he's angry today, well, then that's just being foolish. But I'll tell you what, every fifth day he's got a chance to be as good as anybody in the game, and so the Indians have been willing to put up with some of these idiosyncrasies as long as it doesn't get out of hand.
2: But you're saying that a guy like that who's upset that he's not in the opening day starter, that doesn't rankle the clubhouse at all?
8: No. You know what I think it is, guys? I think our players just kind of roll their eyes and go, "Uh uh-huh. Just kind of like – Remember when the Sports Illustrated story came out, really at the beginning of camp, and you are like, oh, boy, this is going to be great. Because he said in the article, you know, I I was better than Corey Kluber. I had a better year than Corey Kluber last year. You know, then he had his dating advice, which, again, he won't be dating my daughters, but he has asked <laughs> to. So I don't have to deal with that problem. But, you know, those are the kind of things, you know, that you would think would cause a problem, I think if it was somebody other than Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber is, in real life, just like you see on the mound. He's very stoic. He doesn't show emotion. He's very rational. He's all about being the best he can be each time he goes out there. If this were somebody else, now, trust me, Corey Kluber doesn't care for what's being said or whatnot, but he's not going to make an issue out of it. And you know it's probably fortunate for the Indians that if you're poking the bear, so to speak, the bear has the kind of makeup that Corey Kluber has. I, I recommend it for people just doing
2: a Google search and reading on Trevor Bauer. It's fascinating. But
0: Tom, really though, that I mean, the Browns help you guys out because you know people want to say, "Oh, Trevor yeah. Bauer's a nut job," but you look at some of the guys the Browns have had, and you say, "Hey, this this guy's a normal guy." <laughs>
8: Well, yeah, and, and you know, that's a great point. And, and to follow that up, I was you know, the one thing about Trevor, he is never satisfied with his own game. He is working all the time to get better. This winter he worked on his changeup. He threw a great changeup all spring long. It's another weapon now for his arsenal. So he is never satisfied. He's always trying to do whatever he can to make himself better, which is what you want. And to your point, You know, the stuff that he has done, he hasn't broken any laws. He hasn't left his club hanging. He hasn't said, I'm not going to play like, you know, some of the people the Browns have acquired. I mean, I know the city is all aflame with what the Browns have done, and rightfully so. But we'll see how that works out with some of the characters that were brought in. That's not Trevor Bauer.
0: In my film study of the Cleveland Indians, I think this season the key for you is number 33, your closer that you got from the Padres last year, Brad Hand. What do you expect from Hand in the ninth inning?
8: I think he'll be even better than he was a year ago, and that goes for the guy that came with him in that trade, Adam Simber, the submarine-style right-hander, whom the Indians need to be a big part of this bullpen. It's tough getting traded in the middle of the year. I think it's really tough when you're traded from a losing ball club to a club that has aspirations of playing in another World Series, you know, there's a lot of self-imposed pressure put on those guys by Simba and and Hand. They're both, I think, much more relaxed here, you know, being with the club from the get-go. I think the ninth inning is in great hands for the Indians. The big question is getting to that ninth inning.
2: Tom, how much are you going to miss your guy, Hawk Harrelson, this year? I know he's still a White Sox ambassador. He'll be around, but a little different.
8: Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, I'm just so disappointed that he wasn't elected by now into the Baseball Hall of Fame in the broadcaster's wing. I I have no idea why that hasn't occurred. With everything that he has given to the game, what he has meant to the game, um, I mean, his life story, is you guys, I'm preaching to the choir, but it's an incredible life story and it's all been about baseball for Hawk. And I think, you know, he's one of those colorful characters that we just don't have many of those left in the game anymore. And to me, he should be already in baseball's hall of fame and the, you know, the broadcasters wing, but yeah, it's not the same when you, you don't get a chance to, to talk to Hawk and he's always been very good to me. And that's one of the beauties of playing the White Sox guys. I mean, they have such eclectic broadcasters and so much fun to, to gab with, whether it was Hawk or now Jason Benetti, who's a rising star. Oh, yeah. Steve Stone, another guy that I think should be in the Broadcasters Hall of Fame. And then you've got Eddie and DJ on the radio side who have been tremendous uh, pairing together. Again, you're talking to guys that played the game, which is always so much fun.
0: Yeah, I hear Hawk's not in the Hall of Fame yet, and I just think, Dad Yeah. <laughs>
8: well again when you think of a guy stop and think about it all of the things that hawk made popular or coined certain phrases how many of those are imitated by people around the country nowadays i mean i know one thing there isn't anything i've ever said on the air that people around the country are imitating and hawk got you know how many of those sayings and that to me Puts you in a different caliber as far as creativity and why I think he should be in the Hall of Fame along with
2: Stoney. Totally agree, 100%. And, and people will, well, he's a homer, he's this. Look, uh, first of all, I'm not coming here to get a lecture. Uh, right. he's, not,
0: he's not doing the game of the week. Right. He's doing Sox games. Right.
8: It's not 60 minutes, you know. Right. Um, it is not 60 minutes, and they're still going to tell it like it is. Do they want the White Sox to win? Of course. Do I want the Indians to win? Of course. The guy that pays my salary is the owner of the ball club. Um, my degree is not journalism, it's communications. So you still hope to have journalistic integrity, but you know, people turn into their local broadcasters for a reason. Yeah, they
2: want to feel like you're invested in it with them. They, that, that you're all on the yep. same team. That's, I mean, it's a huge part of it. Tom, thanks so much for jumping on on a Saturday. We appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you at guaranteed rate field this year. And, uh, yeah, th- we appreciate the conversation.
8: Thanks so much, guys. Great being
2: with you. Tom Hamilton. Thanks, Tom. Long-time voice of Cleveland. And he also does a Big Ten Network. Buckeyes still alive as well. Uh, What do you got over there, Harry?
0: I just want to remind everybody that, you know, the Sox open this Thursday in KC, but the home opener. It's going to be Thursday, April 4th, 1-10 in the afternoon as the White Sox take on the Seattle Mariners. The first 20,000 fans take home a long-sleeve White Sox shirt presented by CIBC. Get your tickets today at whitesox.com.
2: And our interview with Tom was sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and zoomzoomnation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. Amy Guth is warming up in the bullpen. She'll be with us at 8 o'clock. And uh, we've got one more Sox thought for you coming on back here, 720 WGN. Wrapping it up here White Sox Weekly Saturday night special Amy Guth coming up Carmen Harry Great to be with you This Saturday evening A little bit later tonight Because of the Blackhawks Hockey Hawks Lost to the Avalanche They'll play them again tomorrow 4-2 was the final today That was not good Harry
0: it was not good. Um, uh, the Hawks uh, should have beat the Flyers. They had a weekend a couple weeks ago where they were at home against the Lanch and the Stars, and they didn't get either one of those. team played so well. They were on a 105-point pace for a long time. Yeah,
2: Let's uh, wrap up our White Sox thought with a guy who got his big paper today, $43 million guaranteed. He can uh, improve upon that with a couple of option years as well. Aloya Menes at the podium talking about being a White Sox for a long time.
7: I feel really proud. I feel really happy because um, they are here. And, uh, I don't know, it's something I can tell who's worked. It's uh, something I'm feeling. And uh, it's really good. I know it's just really good.
2: Can you imagine having generational wealth at 22?
0: Yep, well, I had it. I just you know,
7: gambled a lot. <laughs> that sucks.
2: I'm sorry. Yeah. Upgrade your game day experience in a Diamond Suite this season. Diamond Suites offer the best value and are perfect for entertaining clients or hosting family and friends for a game. For more information, call 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com.
0: Family Sundays feature tickets as low as $5 in the upper level, 15 bucks in the lower level, and parking is always just Ten dollars plus special family-focused activities located throughout the ballpark. Family Sundays are proudly presented by Coca-Cola. Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola and enjoy the game. Visit WhiteSocks.com/sundays to purchase your tickets today.
2: Amy Guth is next. Literally, you Guth. walk around town and all you do is see Amy Guth. Like you go to the train station, there she is staring at you. You, you go to it's, it's it's unbelievable. So we're gonna talk to Amy next on her newfound success, which is just building on her prior success. It's Gooth everywhere in Chicago. One more time, Harry. Gooth. Well well done. 720 WGN. Amy Gooth is in studio. Uh,. Guth, are you, is this going to your head that you've got billboards and 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 all sorts of stuff? Congratulations on your the stuff you're doing with Cranes. It's awesome.
1: Thanks. Uh, the Cranes Daily Gist is a daily business podcast. It's going really great. It's really fun to work with all the folks over at Cranes. There's unbelievably smart people over there, and I learn a ton from them. I believe that. So it's 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 cool. It's having a lot of fun. I, I don't. I, I mean, I I don't know what to make of the billboards yet. Like, I had to go see it with my own eyes because I was like, really? I know they're going up, but I don't know what that means. So I went over to Ogilvy and I was like yep that's my face and i just sort of stood there for a minute like this is weird and i took a picture of it and said to my mom and uh and and then i kind of scurried away because i was like i don't want anyone to see me taking a picture of my own face did,
0: did, your, <laughs> did your mom send you any of her on a billboard
1: uh my mom is not on any billboards did, did you
2: was there mac yurko harry billboards back in the day there were yeah there, there were. were yeah nice i don't want. i don't mean to you know make you emotional right now
0: here. no no it was it was cool I'm, but but i'm um, you know i'm also a couple with for rogers roofing but um i'm happy that Gooth has heard. thank you and it, just, they should all just say
1: <laughs> i agree i totally agree but how many U's is that Nine. Nine. nine, 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 nine does, the, does the umlaut go over all nine of them or just one
0: uh, it goes over 6 of them the other ones the other 3 have the accent agu uh, yeah <laughs> what's on the show tonight
1: well this is the last night with Esteemed producer Tom Hush. All right, uh-huh. congrats to Tom Hush
2: to moving to the Nick julio show. It's awesome. I'm
1: so excited for him, and it, i it's going to be awesome. And I feel like the two of them have so much in common. Like that, you know, they're going to talk about movies till they're purple in the face. It's going to be awesome. But I'm of course very sad. So Tom has selected some of um, his favorite conversations we've ever had on the show that we have built together for the last couple of years, including the night that Will Wheaton sent us a tweet, and then an hour later was on the show with us, which was super fun, uh, and just uh, some stuff like now that. C- e2 is happening we had um kelly kelly Stu deconic and matt fraction on and then he found some funny goof moments that he's going to share i don't know about all of them there's one i know and it's when i ate the hottest pepper in the world on mm. the air i had some trouble huh? <laughs> i had some trouble speaking the words after that uh but a couple of them i don't know so we'll see what the favorite goof moments are but it's gonna be a fun show uh, uh maybe no crying but i can't guarantee that
0: crying's
2: good getting the emotion you guys have been together for a while. I, I know. I asked Tom when he filled it for us. I'm like, do you miss Amy? Because he was doing our show. He's like, yes, I do. I'm yeah. like, okay. He,
0: I, he didn't even wait for Carmen <laughs> to finish the question.
2: I mean, it was. Your, yes, I know. Yeah. So there, there's, 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 some, there's some good radio love going on right there. There is. It's,
1: like when, you know, when the stars align, like when you have a, uh, when you're working with a producer, like you become friends and you know a lot about each other and you talk a lot and, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not mad at Nick Di- Nick DiGiulio, but I'm not, you know, I ain't high-fiving him either. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm thrilled for Tom. That's that, how it starts. Have a great show. Thank you.
2: Steve Cockridge Show celebrates the most valuable person on the planet weekday mornings at 7.20 on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say Play WGN Radio on TuneIn. The news sponsored by Builder's Supply Outlet, 801. Here's David Jennings.
7: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best